Welcome back, everyone, to the Out of Context Podcast. My name is Adrian, and to you, my friends, yes, you are my friends. I go by Walker AC. This is for January 31st, the end of the month, so we also have to do something special towards the end. And, of course, we always start off with a special thank you to everyone who you know, downloads the show, who listens, ad nauseum to us. We do appreciate it. And, of course, to start it off with a bang, we're going to let you know that now I'm going to butcher this word here, so just bear with me, folks. It's anatidophobia. It's a fear of being watched by a duck. So just being, be be, be wary, being folks. Watched or washed? Oh, being watched by a duck. Yeah, and this, huh. yeah, yeah, and and this phobia causes a person to constantly worry about a duck, knowing what they're doing at all times. You know, smiling. You know, smiling at your way. You know, waiting for you. It's a really creepy one. But in the interim, speaking of creepy, let me introduce you to my co-host, the host with the most, the host that is fearless, the host that has zero phobia that can be used against her, Ashley Majestic. Hey, Ashley, how's it going? I just knew that was the setup. As soon as you started that, I was thinking to myself, he's going to turn this some way to make it an introduction about me, and I want my $50 because I won that bet. I will send you that in the mail. No problem. Don't worry about PayPal or anything. I'll actually mail it to you because you're that special to me. Okay. Awesome. Sweet. So, other than that, I know we spoke off air about how we're doing, so we'll bypass all that fun stuff and just say we're doing okay. Little bitty things irritate us here and there, as always, just like normal life. We want to strangle people with our own tongues. So, we'll let that slide. But what is new in your life? nothing it's honestly just simple work home work home but I mean I don't really have a whole lot going on uh, I've just been getting more and more into playing some games on my computer I actually just got a couple off of Steam today because they were on sale and I also pre-ordered Hogwarts Legacy the deluxe edition and I can't wait to play it February 10th I think it's February 10th on because I, I would like to not go to work if that's on a weekday um, Every time. It's on a Friday. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm busy that weekend. <laughs> oh, that's good. I mean, Friday I'll be working. Um, I have to go open up another store over in Margate. Um, I did not know where Margate is. Uh, I, had to, I had to Google it, and it's way, way down south towards Miami. So yours truly will be hopping right. in the Partridge family bus and driving down to, my, to another store in Margate for a week to do more training over there. So... Uh, I'll be doing an on-road special for the Walker AC Experience, and by the time I get back, I'll be back on Monday. So Tuesday, we will do a show, and I apologize early if I'm just sounding dead tired, but, you know, the show must go on. I mean, yeah, but it's fine. Um, think of that, or we can try, I mean, we always talk about, it's like, hey, we'll try to record on another day this week, and no, we don't, because life. Yes, life, life has truly gotten away this week. But, like I said, in the grand scheme of things, it isn't so bad. I mean, considering our lot in life and how hard we work to get to where we're at right now, life isn't all that bad. It's a set of temporary speed bumps we have to get over. But, uh, so the topic today is an interesting one, so we'll have fun with it a little bit. We're going to talk about phobias. This is your idea, so I'll have you go first. But for those of you who are uninitiated... A phobia is an irrational fear of an object, a situation, or a living thing. Of course, it can cause you anxiety. It can cause you fear. It can cause various um, receptors in your brain, you know, to be set off, you know, to make you wary of a particular thing you're scared of. So, I will lob it to you, and I'll have you go first. So, I don't know, like, okay, I guess talking about phobias, I was trying to find the definite or the word for the fear of mine. But I can't wait. Nope. Or, nope. That's not it. Never mind. So pretty much a phobia I've had since I was a kid, and I like it blew my mind to find out that other people had this fear for the longest time. Probably I only broke this fear maybe um, sometime within the last four to five years, and ever since, as far as I can remember, as a kid, I if there was a shower curtain pulled like all the way over. And I had to go into the bathroom to do anything with theirs to use the bathroom, brush my teeth, anything. I had to open that shower curtain before I did anything else. 
because for some reason my paranoia is telling me someone is behind that thing. They're either going to pop out and kill me the moment I sit down, or it's going to be someone trying to prank me, but my biggest fear was there's always something hiding behind that shower curtain. And so it didn't matter if it was in my own house, someone else's house, doesn't matter. If that shower was covered, it had to be uncovered before I did anything else. And that's really funny. Because, I mean, not to, you know, jump on the bandwagon, but no, I do that as well. And it's so funny because it's only myself, you know, my little one in this home, and every time I go to the bathroom, I have to pull back that curtain. I have no idea how or why it is. It's just a second nature thing. And I, <laughs> I did it in your bathroom also. You know, we were at your uh, shindig. I pulled back the curtain too, just in case. I don't know. I don't know if it was Samara or... Somebody from, you know, Saul will jump after me for whatever reason at your party. So I, I don't know. But, but, but yes, yes, you I know, do that too. For a fact, you and I had this conversation now. I now I know because I immediately knew what you were going to say. So in my mind, before we started this podcast, I'm like, haven't we talked about phobias before? And you said, no, I don't think we have. And now as we're talking about the shower thing and everything that you're saying, I, I immediately knew what you were going to say. I'm like, yep, we talked about this. I don't think you and I went in depth about phobias. I think we kind of just touched face on it, but yeah, we talked about phobias. I think we did it on the root of all Ashley, though. I think so. I think you're right. But yeah, you're right. We didn't get into it too much. I mean, we have dipped into a couple of phobias, and right now we're going to go off just on a couple of silly ones, um, you know, that actually exist. And we'll talk about those a little bit. But the phobia that you mentioned, I mean, is there a name for it? Have you found a name for it? No, I keep looking. I keep finding like phobias of. That, you're, that people are afraid to take baths and say and things. Um, let's see. I'm, try, I'm trying to look. I mean, you guys know me. When I'm on this, when I'm recording, I'm nearly always on Google while we're talking because ADHD, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but no, it's, um, I find things that's like the fear someone's watching you, fear of taking um, a shower or a bath. But I'm trying to find the ones like specifically a shower, like, someone's hiding behind a shower curtain but i haven't found it i'm sure the, the words out there if there is at least but i cannot find it but i'm finding other interesting phobias so but a lot of them i cannot pronounce <laughs> now everything's so bright now without getting too descriptive because one of the main jokes with guys is you never tell your buddy what you fear because they're always going to use it against you as a prank so these, so, so the natural fear I have, thank heavens, is not something somebody can use against me, but I'm curious to find out what the name of yours is, because I think it's universal. I think it's a natural, just a, not necessarily a fear, but it's an anxiety because of movies and TV. You don't, you don't know what's behind the door, what's behind the curtain, stuff like that. So you always want to do it before you get vulnerable, like using the bathroom or taking a shower. So I guess for me, um, because I feel like, oh, when you talk about your phobias, that's leaving your weakness out there. I would like to point out that as much as an asshole, I like to be and prey on my friend's weaknesses. When it's an actual phobia, I respect that. It's if you're very much afraid of something, I respect that. Like for me, I am terrified of heights. Um, I mean, I think that's a very common phobia for a lot of people, but I am terrified of heights. Um, I mean, even if you think of a step stool, like or a step ladder, I can get on the first step, the second step, I am like shaking. I hate it. I hate it. So when we worked together um, at racetrack, and you remember the big blue step ladder in the cooler? Yes. I would not do it. I would not talk, stop those top things. And I was lucky that I was tall and I can reach. So I knew exactly what would be on the other side. And I would just, because I would just walk towards the other side and look over. And I can see, but I would not get on that step stool. Nope, I would just, if I couldn't reach it, I'm like, fuck it, I'm not doing it. And that also leads to, I have a fear of being on escalators. Now, it's not the escalator itself. If it's like the escalators where you have a wall on the side of it or two walls on the side of it, I'm fine with it. But when those big open escalators, like you would see in a mall, mm -hmm. and you're just going up the escalator and there's nothing to support you, under or to the side that terrifies me and I always feel like I want to cry so I will try to find an elevator if I can if I can't find an elevator I have to suck it up and my husband 
and any of and like close friends of mine know, don't touch me, don't try to make jokes at me, don't even talk to me, don't even look at me, because I will start crying. And I've had my husband in the past like try to make a joke with me, and I like just locked down. And then I had another friend like, you know, just touching my back to just be supportive, but I freaked. And I'm like, just best thing to do when I am on an escalator, just let me be a statue, grab you onto both sides, and leave me be until I step off. <laughs> now, what's really interesting about that is the escalators really doesn't bother me as much. It's the exact opposite. You'd rather take an elevator. I'd rather take an escalator because elevators, um, to me, are just a five by five little box that I f believe that no matter if it's the first floor, second floor, third floor, 20th floor, those cables will break and I'll go plummeting to my death. I always have dreams that I'm going in an, escalate, in an elevator and the elevator breaks. And I just plunge, I just plunge to my death. <clears throat> so if I have the option of taking an escalator versus an elevator, I always do that every single time. If I have to take an elevator, you will notice the color will leave my face, and that's a lot of color, and I will just stand there just stoic and just not move until we get to the floor we need to be on. So the thing is that I'm also afraid of elevators because I have claustrophobia. I have fear of tight spaces. And, but I don't know, it's just like, I would prefer an elevator. Like basically I have to choose between the two evils. And it's in that moment, it's like, okay. So now that I'm on anxiety medication, it does help control the fear where I can be on escalators without wanting to go into a panic attack, but I'm still very tense about it. And there are times I feel like I still want to cry. So I don't really naturally seek out elevators as much anymore, but no, I have a fear of elevators, um, not the elevator in itself, but because I'm claustrophobic. And the fact is that I've had three very realistic dreams where I was dying because I was in an elevator. And so that makes me feel like, uh, are these premonitions? Am I gonna die in an elevator? Because that's terrifying. Um, and like being claustrophobic, uh, I'm already a big person. And so tight spaces, definitely a big thing for me. And why went to an escape room with my coworkers, I want to say back in August or September of last year. And I really didn't want to do it, but everyone had a vote, which was either to do this golfing thing or do escape room. Everyone voted for the escape room and I didn't want to be the person who's like, no, I'm not going to do it. So I was like, all right, well, we all carpooled there and I was drinking on the way because there's no way I was going to do it sober. And sure enough, we're starting in small rooms. We're split into two groups. And I very much stayed in my corner. I was, did not want to be around anybody. I was, I was contributing, I was interacting, but if I felt a little too anxious and panicky, I would try to get into my own space. And the thing is, all my coworkers were aware of my phobia and they were all very respectful and keeping an eye on me. And then comes towards the end to where, where we were to get to the blast room. There was a little tunnel you had to crawl through and nearly everyone looked at me because they saw my face and I'm like, okay. And I was insisting, and everyone's like, Ashley, you can go first. I'm like, no, I definitely don't want to go first. And I was telling everyone, everyone else, please go before me. And then my coworker, she's so sweet. And she, she insisted to go behind me being the last person and I volunteered for, and I was like, all right, okay, I'll do this. I was shaking, like she was hold, She was holding my hand as like we were walking up to the tunnel and I was just shaking. And I did it. Uh, so as I got to the tunnel, I can't remember which coworker it was, but someone grabbed me by the arm and pulled me out of it. And I was like, okay, okay. And then I went to the corner of that room and I stayed in that corner. I did not do anything else for, for the, um, to participate, but I wasn't, dramatic about it i i still showed like a calm exterior i just stayed very quiet because i didn't want all the attention focused on me and then when we're done i was so happy to be out in fresh air and because i couldn't really i did like a little bit of a fast walk out of that out of that building and we went across the parking lot to cooper's hawk which is a really nice restaurant and we already had a reservation for all of us to have a big table and as soon as I got in there and we had to wait, I went straight to the bar and ordered <laughs> two shots back to back. 
Oh, wow. But yeah. Yeah. Um, but those are like my big, my big phobias is really claustrophobia, fear of tight spaces and heights. Um, everything else, I, I wouldn't call them phobias. I guess they're just like kind of the natural fears. Yeah, I'm afraid of being burned alive and drowning and stuff, but I still go in the ocean. I have the fear of the unknown, but I still will go to the ocean. I'll still walk around in the dark. I can still brave these things. It's not like I'm deathly terrified. I'm not afraid of bugs and um, like reptiles. I just don't want to touch them and I don't want them to touch me. That's it. You know, if I see one, I'm like, cool, I'm going to keep my distance. I respect your space. You respect mine. We're homies. Good. But if I'm walking somewhere and something just lands on me, I'm going to freak out. I will freak out. <laughs> now for me... And if you, oh, hold on. If you ever play the... I'm pointing this to you right now. If you ever want to be that person who wants to play the prank and throw like a fake spider on me or a fake snake or something at me, I will deliberately punch you square in the face. It always goes back to violence with you. You know what I mean? And, and I just want to put it out there because some people, again, people like to be assholes. And they like to prey on your weaknesses. I just put it out there. I'm all down for fun and games, but I'm just warning you, when you do fun and games with me, play stupid games, get stupid prizes. Now I do understand where the violence from Big Time Bex comes from. Same violence with you. No, I would never do something like that because, once again, guys will do the exact same thing. Um, I will piggyback on yours a little bit. Um, the claustrophobia, it's, it works on me here and there. Um, I'm fairly logical and I understand that situations like that I know are temporary and I know I can get my way out of it to an extent. As far as heights go, I understand the logistics of heights, but I have to be heavily medicated to go on a plane. Um, I am a mammal. I'm a land mammal. I do not want to go in the air. So the times that I do have to fly, I always make the joke, it's two Benadryl and a glass of uh, Merlot. And I'll fall asleep for the two and a half hour, three hours I have to be on that plane. But uh, the anxiety will take over instantly. And I just want to sleep through a flight. But of course, my body being the smart ass that it is, I'll have to go use a restroom. And then the restroom will take an elongated period of time. And then there will be turbulence. And yeah, if you ever have to use the bathroom when there's turbulence, it's not, it's not happening. And you feel trapped in a little bitty bathroom for maybe not even five minutes, but it feels like it's five hours. But I digress. But um, just the heights, I understand the heights. Um, small little story here, and then we'll go into our topic of the day. Um, living in Germany, we went to the Zugspitze, which is the highest mountain in Germany. So you had to take a train up the side of a mountain. No big deal, because I'm in a train, I can't see outside if I didn't want to, and then you have to go on a cable cart the rest of the way up. And of course the cable cart had just, it was just all windows. So yes, you thinking of uh, trying not to avoid your bowels going up a cable cart, it's the most terrifying thing I've ever been on. You ever been on a cable cart before? I've not, um, but my first apartment was gonna say to you, nope, I would never do that, but then again, um, a year and a half ago, went to uh, went on vacation to Belize. You know, once in a lifetime type of experience, uh, really fun. And we went to and out into the jungle to see the Mayan ruins. And with my fear of heights, we were with our tour guide. We were climbing to the tops of these ruins, and there's no railing or anything that's going to catch you. You had to walk on these very very old steps, stone steps. Um, of the structure and again nothing there on the side of you like it's just you in open air and normally I was like fuck no for me but there was something that clicked in my mind like you know I'm never I might never get this type of opportunity again I'm going to try it um, because I'm also a big historical history buff and so I nearly walked to the top of all these ruins up until the last one I got halfway and I started shaking and I I was I was pretty much already starting to tear up and I said I can't do it I can't do it anymore and granted the other ones it wasn't no cakewalk for me either because for one fat um two my fear and I was just being very quiet and again nobody touched me nobody talked to me just let me let me be but this last one it was like my body and my mind were like no you're not going up there now you're halfway you're gonna go right back down 
and that's what my husband did. He held my hand and he, like I was squeezing his hand and I was shaking very badly. He walked me back down, made sure I was fine. Then he went up there, which, you know, that was fun. Like you, you do you, just leave me be, let me breathe. <laughs> well, being on that cable car, it was myself, I think a group of maybe 10, which made it even worse because anyone who made any kind of movement, it really, really traumatized me a little bit. And it didn't help that my good friend Patrick was being a jerk and started singing R.E.M.'s Into the World as We Know It. Um, really didn't help matters any. But once we were at the top of the mountain, everything was okay. Getting back down again, it was one of those experiences that you can close your eyes and just wait for a few minutes and it's over. The cable cart ride was about 15, 20 minutes. And you talk about being fearful, you talk about wanting to crap your pants, yeah. Riding in a cable car for someone who's afraid of heights is just insane because you look below you, there's nothing below you other than clouds and mountains. So the hypothetical situation, you crash, you die. That's pretty much it. Just a fear of falling and that sudden stop will just really, really screw you up. <sighs> now I'm going to go back to PTSD moment. Let's talk about phobia, shall we? Uh, <laughs> I will have you go first. And what's a bizarre phobia, you know, that you wish to uh, expound on? Uh, where did I go? I can't, okay. So I don't know what I did with the article because I've gone through a few of them. Where is it? Oh, okay. Um, I, we're going to be butchering all these words. So this one's called alliumphobia, which is the fear of garlic, a.k.a. being a vampire. Hmm. Um Garlic bread could cause a panic attack for someone with extraordinary fear of garlic. Um, and then there's another one. So there's a podcast I listen to. And um, and one of the, there's like three hosts. And one of the hosts, he was talking about um, his aunt. And for as long as he could remember since he was a child, she is definitely afraid of turtles. Like you can't even say the word turtle or show her a picture without her freaking out. So, um, if there was a street called Turtle Dove Road or something, she would do everything she could to avoid going on that street. Like this guy, like he was talking about like, um, when they were kids and her, his aunt and his dad, they were out around, you know, property searching and just out in the field or something, she saw like a turtle, like she's, you know, doing its own thing, just walking about. And she freaked out, got back in the car, and she's like, I am not investing in this property. Fuck that. So that's like a very extreme fear. Um, but yeah, it just blows my mind that there are fears that people's brains just like cannot process. And I'm not, you know, phobia shaming. It's just for me, it's um, that people just have a weird thing. You know, there's... Um, Sidrophobia, the fear of stars, and so, you know, people have a fear of looking up into the sky and seeing stars. There's people that are afraid of numbers. I mean, honestly, that's how I felt in school with math class. Um, there's logophobia, where people have the fear of reading or learning how to read. There's the fear of money. Oh, hold on, hold on. Um, we're we're going to get through all of them at once. We'll, we'll, we'll just go one at a time. I just, I'm just looking at a couple that, like, <laughs> just a couple of, I'm not going all the way down, just a couple that I'm just listing that's like, wow, you just wouldn't think of that. Uh, oh, that's, oh, that's, hmm. You know what? I'd be afraid of that too. That's a bad image. But yeah, your turn. <laughs> all right. Now, of course, like you said, some of these we will butcher, hardcore butcher. And so I'll just give a brief spelling of each one so people can look it up if you like to. And, oh, Excuse me, I totally forgot here. My fear is actually an actual fear. Go figure. It is, and bear with me here. Here we go. Atichophobia. It's an intense fear of failure. Uh, it may cause you to put off or avoid any activity or scenario that has a potential for an, un an unsuccessful outcome. Someone with this condition may be scared to try new things, take risks, or embrace growth in fear of failure. Now, I think this could be a universal one. I mean, you get to a new job and you don't want to fail. Because the last thing you want to do is have that fear of being fired or not being good enough. Um, you know, or a relationship. Get a relationship, you fear that you're going to fail that. Or trying something new, like going up a mountain or going up an elevator, is that common fear. So I have that fear, and I believe you know, most do. 
And all these fears that we talk about, I'll put them in the notes, you know, in the description of the show so people can look it up and, you know, see if it applies to them, but it is what it is. So the first one I'm going to talk about, and I think you'll enjoy this one a little bit. So this one's called Arachai Butrophobia. It's a fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. Oh, yep. I read that. Yep. It's a rare, <clears throat> it's a rare phobia that can stem from a greater phobia of sticky things or a fear of choking. It may also stem from a traumatic incident with peanut butter, so, such as choking on it or being allergic to it. And, of course, credit goes to therecoveryvillage.com. You can look that up, and that will give you all the proper spellings and a couple more bizarre phobias. And um, these are just interesting, not necessarily funny, because you know, actually people go through these things. So what are your thoughts on the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth? I'm more of a Captain Crunch kind of guy. I scrape the top of my mouth. Don't really like that. Yeah, no. Uh, I love Captain Crunch, but man, it damages the roof of your mouth. So, yeah, not, uh, I'm, I'm there for you. So for peanut butter, I mean, I, as you explain it, you know, you think it's the fear of choking and, you know, swallowing it. So for me, I mean, I'm a peanut butter person, but I, it can be irritating when you're eating something that's peanut buttery and it's stuck to the roof of your mouth or into your teeth. And it takes forever to just get that feeling out of your mouth. So it can be very annoying. So if it turns into a fear instead, um, I mean, I can get that. Hmm. Okay. Now, what, what the one do you have for me? Um, you know something? This is one that I kind of tortured you with not too long ago. Uh-oh. It is trypophobia, which is the fear of images with patterns or holes or bumps. Oh, yeah. Okay, I can't do that. <laughs> so, you know, think of like honeycombs, you know, um, you know, bubble wraps, seed pods, things like that. And I'm not going to torture you this time around and put it in the chat. But while you were talking, I, when I saw it, I was like, uh, I'm going to torment myself and go to Google Images and type tripophobia. And man, I'm disturbed all over again. It's just so weird, but I keep looking. It's like... <laughs> It's so gross, but I keep looking. It's a, it's a, like it's a, a picture of somebody's hand with all these holes. Oh, stop, like, stop, stop, stop. It's a, it's a visual thing that I can't shake out of my mind, but if people want to look it up, oof, what is the spelling of that? Um, T-R-Y-P-O-P-H-O-B-I-A. Or you can honestly just type in, you know, fear of holes in Google and then type in and then go to images and you should probably see that too. Yeah, I still couldn't shake that one. So, <clears throat> yeah, that one's definitely interesting. <sighs> I can't compare to that one. So, next one is, I think you'll get a kick out of this too, because I'm not a big fan of mine either. <laughs> it's umphalophobia. It's a fear of belly buttons. Uh, people with this condition will avoid seeing or touching, touching belly buttons, even their own. They might even want to put a bandage over their belly button to avoid looking at it. Uh, they will sometimes avoid places where belly buttons might be exposed, like the beach. I honestly thought when you were saying that, um, you were going to talk about having the fear of Oompa Loompas. Yeah, I never really ran across one, so I mean, I think I'm good with that. Well, see, there you go. You don't even know if you have that phobia yet or not. Wow, these are just real. Oh, mm. <laughs> now, this is a personal question, and of course you don't have to answer, but we're on a podcast listening by millions and millions of people, so no pressure. What do you think about belly buttons, or are you kind of just indifferent to them? Um, just indifferent to them. It's They're just there. Uh, there's the innies, I guess. Yeah, because, you know, I'm an innie. Um, to me, belly buttons are just belly buttons. But there's people that have the Audi belly buttons. It's not like weird or anything to me, but I think it's interesting. It's just like, how does that not bother you? Like I would constantly like play with it. <laughs> so yeah, I'm basically indifferent. And thinking about belly buttons, it's like a really funny little story that our memory I have in my head. I very much remember being really young. I could have been like four or five, but I remember, uh, being a kid and being this probably the first house I remember living in and my dad is like standing in the bathroom he's like shaving or doing something and I've always been the daddy's girl so I just talked to him I said oh yeah um 
my brother, like, his name, like, I'm not going to say his name. It's like, oh, my brother, he came out mom, mommy's belly button, and I came out of your belly button, daddy. And he's like, you sure did. And so I had the belief for, you know, as long, you know, not for a long time, but, like, as a small child, I was like, yeah, I came from daddy's belly button. <laughs> I always found belly buttons interesting because when I was a kid, I thought that you can actually open up your belly button and, and like, see what's inside your stomach. So as a kid, I would pick at my belly button a little bit. My mom would always, you know, slap my hand or tell me not to. And she would always say, you know, you keep doing that. This, you, your, your stomach is going to spill out. And even now at my late age, of course, you know, when you clean your body, you clean your belly button. You always wonder about the belly button length. You always wonder about what's inside the belly button. But I would never actually take that step to actually, you know, dig deeper if, if, if I need to. So as I give out way too much information about myself, what's the next one you have? Well, so before I go to the next one, um, I guess a, a similar story, uh, not even a story, just a little fib that parents would tell you, because you know how like a belly button, like especially with for innies, it kind of has like those little lines in your skin. Uh, so my dad was saying, you know, all I need to do is take a screwdriver, poke that in there and turn it a couple times and your arms and legs are going to fall off. <laughs> Because it's the belly button that's keeping your body together. So that was something. Um, this is a phobia that I can really get on board with. Um, because it is. <laughs> it, it's not a solid fear of mine, but I feel it. Um, and I hate how it starts off. It's called uh, pedophobia, which is the fear of children. Um, yep, it sounds made up, but pedophobia is real yet abnormal, persistent fear of babies and children. People with this unusual disorder have heightened anxiety when thinking about or being around little ones, even though they're aware it's irrational. Um, they avoid media situations, locations where kids are present, or even decide not to have children themselves. I very much vibe with that. I don't have an actual fear of children, but I do feel very uncomfortable around small, tiny children. Like, I, if it's an infant baby, or just baby, I don't want to hold them. I really don't. I feel so uncomfortable and I feel like I'm going to do something wrong. I don't want to touch it. It's like, don't give me your child. And so it's like, okay, I can really, basically when a small child can start speaking full English with you and have a conversation, and it's not babble, babble, babble. I get more comfortable because like, okay, I can communicate with you. I can understand what you want and need. Um, and so we can kind of get an even ground here and I can just be an asshole to you at this point because you don't, you haven't learned yet that I'm an asshole. And the most frequent experience with an infant, my cousin lives in Georgia, his second child, uh, son, I came up to visit when he was probably two, three months old. He was very, very newborn. And we're sitting on the couch and here comes my cousin's wife. She comes over holding the baby and just puts him in my arms. And I'm just like, uh, and I'm like frozen. I'm like, get the baby get the baby why why am i holding this baby please get this baby away from me um and it's like he was sensing evil and his face starts crunching up and he started getting upset and i'm like get him get him get the child i can't throw it but i will so you know uh it's not an actual fear fear but i feel very uncomfortable and i yeah if i can avoid it please don't bring me around small children i don't know what to do well, I mean, I've, I'm not a big fan of when, you know, new parents will come up to me and go, hold my baby. Just just hold my baby, knowing that the uneasy look on my face would explain a whole lot. I've had people do that multiple times and always make the mental joke of when somebody hands me their baby, I just swat it down like a football. And, or I say, just just say no. But yeah, that's that would be really heavily frowned upon. So, yes, holding brand new children, that's not mine. It's not really my thing. I told a story ad nauseum. I've held my son when he... Uh, Exited the womb, I guess, and uh, they gave him to me. He opened his eyes. I looked at him. He looked at me, and then he peed on me. So I uh, knew he had potential, you know, you know, to be sarcastic as as his papa. So I mean, I think he passed the test. Um, is that all for your phobia, or, or shall I go? Um. Well, I guess to just you know, go off of what you were just saying about babies is there was a friend of mine. She had like a one, two year old and it was her and another friend of ours. And we went to one of those like indoor trampoline things. I was probably like 18, 19 when this happened. And they want to go use the restroom. And then you have, she has her child, one, two years old. 
and she's holding him and she's going to give him to me and she's like can you hold him and i'm just like no <laughs> Prawn, because this person i wouldn't say like super like friend is more of a mutual friend i don't really know you i don't know your child all it takes is this child to start screaming bloody murder and being distressed and clearly it's not my child and people are like you're kidnapping this kid and i'm like i'm really not i would not want this kid please take it you could kidnap it actually um so again i don't really know you i definitely don't know your child i do not want to be responsible for your child even if it's just for five minutes and it kind of turned into something oh you're making a big deal no take him with you he's a child he can go in there with you I'm, i promise you no one's gonna be upset and but plus I don't, I don't, it's another thing it's like you don't really know me either why would you be okay just leaving your child with me where i'm someone you probably met two or three times all times at a bar. Here, hold my baby while we walk to the other side of this building. And we're going to be gone to use the bathroom and you're going to be left unsupervised with my child. Like, why would you do that? Well, I mean, I hear, you know, babies going to black market for $5,000. I mean, not that I was checking or anything. But babies are very fragile. They're very squishy. And, you know, I don't want to have butterfingers. I really, really don't. <laughs> but... So next one here. So this one is, I think, I think most kids will probably get this one. It's called nomophobia. Very simple phobia. It's the fear of being without your mobile phone. Go figure. People with nomophobia experience excessive anxiety about not having their phone with them. Their battery being low or their phone being out of service. I think this is made up, but it's, it's actual phobia. Thank God I don't have it because I don't care about my phone or anything that comes along with it. Just want to make a phone call. And then, you know, like, what are your thoughts on that one? Honestly, with today, with technology and stuff, I can see that people having it. It's, um, I'm trying to think how to, but I don't have a fear of losing my phone, but I want to know where my phone is simply because I don't want someone to steal it. Um, even though I have backups on my computer, on my phone, there's a lot of photos of my dog, my father that have passed away. Um, a lot of very valued memories and stuff. And my biggest thing is I don't want that to be taken from me. So the, it's so it's it's the fear of losing my phone and losing what's in there, even though I have the backups. But I, it's only whenever I want to do the backups. It's I can find more things or pictures uh, through family and friends. And I save it. And it's not like, oh, as soon as I save this, it's going to immediately go to my computer. And don't tell me about the cloud because I'm an Android user or, you know, Google Photos or whatever. I'm, I'm stupid. I don't know how to do all that, okay? I, I, I plug put phone to laptop, laptop, download it, and save. That That's all I know. And so, so yeah, it's not the fear about being without my phone. It's the fear of, you know, not knowing where my phone is or someone taking it from me. Um, and I lose that information. So it is a fear, but I won't call it a phobia. No, I'm not worried about me losing my phone or have it being stolen or whatnot. Because obviously I have pictures of you know uh, my family, pictures of my son, pictures of just memes and everything of the such. It's stuff that will remain nameless because this is a public podcast. Um, no, if I ever lost my phone, I wouldn't care. I just yeah, go. I, 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 I want to know. Actually, maybe I don't want to know. Is this something that I think I know? Maybe. Okay, I kind of want to know. But yeah, I don't. I do want to know. Oh, no, it's nothing risque. Just pictures of my artwork and like little odds and ends. No, I'm 46 years old. I don't have nudity on my phone. That's that's for teenager stuff. No. 46 years old? That's basically the best time to have nudity on your phone. I mean, there's not really many new people I can find or want on my phone. There's I just... literally only fans, my guy. We've had, we actually had a podcast talking about that. Yes, and I'm not a big fan of OnlyFans because, and of course, I'm going to offend the OnlyFans people that choose to do this. No shade against you people. I just, see, we're going off another topic here. You're evil. I just don't see the thought of doing an OnlyFans. Let me understand this correctly. You have no discernible skill, no higher education preferences, nor the determination and drive to want to go out and better yourself. You just figure, oh, I'll just show my body for quick money. I'm just not really a big fan of that. Guys or girls that choose to do this. That's my own personal. I mean, again, that's your personal opinion. And, you know, this is a whole different show. We're going to go back into this. Um, if I 
had a hotter body and I wasn't married, um, I would definitely do it. Hell yeah, I would do it. Like, all I had to do is just take pictures of, like, my chest or my feet. And, like, people are going to pay me thousands of dollars. Hell yeah. Um, and then I get there's the whole people are like, oh, well, there's married couples that do it anyway. Okay, well, I'm married to um, a man that's Muslim and comes from another country. And he's not... I don't want to say strict. He's not strict or anything, but man, he has his preferences. Does he really want his wife to show off her chest and stuff on the internet? No, very, he frowns upon that. So therefore I respect that and do not do it. But the moment he ever comes to me and says, we need more money, please make it only fans. And, um, we can even record me hitting it from the back and putting it on there. I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do this. I would have no shame. I mean, if part of me is also like, I clearly would not go back in time and change anything because I know we had that conversation too. But like if I had an alternative version of myself where I can go, like where I could be 18, 19 again, where I was looking pretty good and I was being more fit and stuff, uh, I would have pursued becoming a stripper. I would have taken a good 10 years of being doing that, putting all the way that money, going to school at the same time. Like, and because for me, it's like, that's easy money. Uh, you gotta show off your body and takes people that just want to look at you and they give you all that money and I get and I understand there's downsides to all this it's not all rainbows and butterflies but man I would do it in heartbeat I respect it when it's just I I understand that there's people like us that we have to use our brains we have to use our skill set we have to basically we really are working to make our money in our in our lives and then you have the people where there's like a five-year-old on YouTube that makes that makes more than me in 10 years in a single day. And just like, well, fuck that. So I can understand the whole that's stupid, but at the same time, it's like, I respect it because you were able to monetize something that's pretty stupid. Um, and some people's, uh, but again, you're monetizing that. And game recognizes game. <laughs> and once again, I can see your side of the coin, but I'm just strongly against it because once again, it takes zero skill. It takes zero skill. And I've been taught at a very young age, you know, being a, being a male, I'm going to say it, being a male is that we have to earn, we have to earn our value. We really do. We have to build ourselves up, you know, work really, really hard you know, for something attainable. Um, a, a vast majority of, of men have to do that. And I just frown upon the actual act and not the person i just frown upon the actual act of you're giving this you're given this body i guess you know for a young lady and it's simple you take pictures and the guys who will call simps just throw out money just to see you naked but at the end of the day when those looks go away you have to have something else upstairs you have to offer a different quality than what you're presenting that will eventually get old, sag, wither, anything in between. So not necessarily, because if you think about it, if you make enough money, right, where you're not only able to sustain a comfortable lifestyle, like you don't have to go ahead and live like the high life or anything. If you take extra money that you are saving and you invest it properly, and this is me coming from me working financials, just doing it like an IRA or you know certain investment products. And by the time where your body is not being how it used to be and you're no longer, I mean, there's people out there inter interested in, you know, old people. So there's still that, but just, just say hypothetically, you're no longer able to do it. If you invested your money wisely and you just put money, even like a hundred bucks in an IRA every month for 15, 20 years, like that's going to add up a lot by the time you get to that point where you have money where you can just retire. Uh, because there are actual strippers and people that do that. Um, there's a lot of people that's like, I, that it's not like, oh, I'm making all this money and I'm going to blow it immediately. Because unfortunately, there's stupid people that do that and they end up being screwed. But if you do it wisely and you reinvest money that from the extra that you're already making from just taking pictures of your ass, again, that's smart. It's just like, I know how to monetize from what people just want to see and jerk off to when they're lonely and make money invest it and live a very easy comfortable life but i do understand what you're saying and uh there's another point i was going to say and i completely forgot 
But um, da, da, ba, 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 ba. I lost it. <laughs> well, Never mind. well, here I'll I mean I'll I'll go off on this a little bit while you while you get your thought back. And of course, there's always two sides. You know, generally speaking, most people who do stuff like that, yes, they get fast money. They get a lot of fast money, but it comes with long-term problems because you yourself have the intelligence to monetize your money, to invest your money, and save your money because you understand, you know, how it works. But most don't. They get the fast money, they see it, they tell themselves, okay, I'll do this for X amount of months, X amount of years, I'll get out, I'll have money saved up. But then realistically, getting back into the real world, making the minimum wage of $16, $20 an hour, they're not going to want to go back to that because it's work, it's thought, it's planning, it's saving versus I can just hike up my chest on a camera and pay, you know, have somebody pay me 10, 12, 20 bucks a month to see me do you know obscure things with it. So why would I go back to a regular nine to five job where I can just stay doing this because it's fast money? And then like I said, after a while, when things change and your product becomes stale, then you have to do something else to make more money. I'm just so, looking, I'm just looking at the whole logic, so I'm still looking at the logic of it. But if you think about it, this can easily bet to bounce back onto the common workers like blue blue collar all the way to like ceo it's people that use their their brains their bodies like for hard work or their and you know investments so like for me i work in financial institutions i could literally blow off my money i don't save a dime um but i'm using my brain i'm actually working i'm being modest i'm not selling my body and you have people like you see elderly people and it's so sad to see but you see elderly people that are using crutches and canes they're being walmart greeters because they live their entire lives working um and either are successful jobs and they just had bad luck or they blew it or they never saved uh, my parents for example my parents didn't save shit my dad was a blue collar truck driver his entire life um my mom blue collar basically a waitress most of her life and they never saved money what money they had they blew it on stupid shit um like weed and things and they never saved money so my dad passed away living in a trailer uh, not at the trailer itself and then you have my mom she doesn't have a place to call her own she goes between staying with my brother to staying with me so it can also so it doesn't matter what kind of job or industry you're in it can happen to anybody where if you don't use, it can go to you're not smart enough with the money, where you can save money all the time and live a comfortable life where you can retire, or you could be stupid and they'll be working, or something disastrous happens to you and you have no choice but to keep working. So it can really apply to any industry. Think about it. Of course, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. wholeheartedly. I'm just making a general statement about, once again, a good majority of those people that do OnlyFans and stuff like that, they're not really thinking of the long term. So that that's one of my problems with it. But once again, we can absolutely agree to disagree because this will carry on for hours, folks. I feel like <laughs> you and I will die on the hill that we are both standing on. Well, because I mean, we you know we are the opposite gender, you know. So I mean, our our you know, our opinions are different. And to go from a wide spectrum, neither you know, neither of us is is correct or incorrect. It's mainly just fish or fowl. Um, I can't go too much off on it because I don't do it. You know, I mean, I, I would have a different perspective if I was an OnlyFans model. That's in itself is an oxymoron. That's like being valedictorian of summer school, but it's something I would never do. So, okay, I want to throw a hypothetical question at you. Or actually, two. The first one is your response to let's say. It could be now or in the future. Let's say your son comes home and has a girlfriend and she's an OnlyFans model or whatever app is popular at that time. And she's doing... So, like, what would be your reaction to that? Well, my son is adult enough to, to understand the logistics of it. And <clears throat> if he is okay with it, then all I can do is offer my opinion, which means little to nothing. But if okay. he was... If he was unaware of it and I randomly scrolled through internet, whatever, and I came across it, I would definitely tell him, you know, but okay. uh, that's, I mean, I mean, it's really kind of moving the goalposts because if, if I don't approve of who he dates, he can look at me and say, so, you know. And that makes you an awesome parent in itself because you're not going to be toxic about it. Now, my other question is, now, what if it's your son that chooses that career path? 
Now then, that's another story. I would pull him aside, and I would sit down and have that conversation with him, because once again, he's an adult. All I can do is give him my strong opinion of it, and I would hope that he's intelligent enough to have something planned. Because once again, fast money, slow problems. He can make all this money, he can either tuck it away in a bank, he can either invest it, or he can blow it, you know, to show off his wares. So I'm hoping he's intelligent enough to invest in it, because once again, people's attention span are shorter and shorter and shorter. You know, you can see a guy schlong or a lady's breasts and go, oh my God, that's amazing. Let me pay money to see it weekly or monthly. Then after a while, you're like, oh, okay. It's the same thing. So let me see what's out. Let me see what else is out there. And now you have to do something else to get more and more attention. That's why I prefer using intelligence, using logic to really build yourself to where you have something to fall back on and not just your looks. So, and you think, and the thing is, is like, I mean, kind of going away from not so much, but just doing a, a branching off of this conversation is I've, I've heard people talk about it. There's studies and stuff that people that are so addicted to the internet, like whether it's porn or images and stuff. Um, and it's usually because they lack in intimacy in their own life. Like they're single or however it works and they get so addicted to these things and they're so used to it happening that way. So when they do become intimate with somebody, it just doesn't work for them. It's either they can't finish or can't get it up or, you know, whichever, whoever the person is, or they just, yeah, it just doesn't work out that way because they became so dependent on seeing images and videos through the internet because that's at their fingertips literally 24 seven. Anyone that has a working phone has access to the internet. And um, it's very, it, again, it's very easy to access this stuff. So someone can go like six months to a year, two years of being single. And this is the way that they get off. And then all of a sudden they get somebody and it's just, it's just not there. So, I mean, it doesn't, I'm not saying it happens to everybody, but I've heard people talk about it to where, you know, I've read, I've watched videos um, and people doing these type of interviews or scientific articles. Um, it's usually just from like things I'm reading or watching that I get this information from. And that happens to people um, because of that addiction that they have. And you are correct. Generally speaking, if you have it in your face all the time, eventually you will get desensitized to it. It's the same way as watching the news. You're watching a car crash or the anecdote I like to use of two dogs fucking on the side of the road. You go past them. My Google search oh, good lord! Yes, you you go by them the first time. The two dogs are like, "Oh, that's funny." Second time, oh, that's entertaining. Third time, oh, they're still there. Fourth time, will somebody get the hose on them? You know, something like that. So I that's that's how I view most adult sites when it comes to people showcasing themselves, because once again, you only have a certain shelf life, and if we're being honest. Why would I spend five, seven, ten dollars, how much ever, to see one person or multiple people do whatever it is they do, or I can just go online for free and see it? That that doesn't make any sense to me. I never understood it. That's the logical side of me coming through. Because if there's a person I'm looking at that has a butt, a particular butt I like, why would I pay money? I could just go Google. Google search big butt and and there you go. It just really doesn't make any sense to me. I guess I guess that's a generational thing. I guess that's something that you know that I don't understand and that's not really for me. It could be and this can be more towards like I, I wanna say positive ish, but then you have people that just don't want to be in relationships or it goes back to a phobia, like your fear of being intimate with somebody else. But you still have sexual urges because there are people I think the term is asexual where you just don't feel um, urges or something, but there's people that still feel the urges, but just don't want to be intimate with an actual other person. So where that can work for them. So there's like a yin and yang to all these things. Of course. And stuff like OnlyFans or all the other sites, chat your bait or whatnot, this is all designed for a niche product. Because if you really think about it, you know, of course, porn is a multi-billion dollar industry and OnlyFans and everything else is still in its infancy. And stuff like that is not going to last, considering that there's free porn out there. You know, I mean, no matter who your favorite model is, guy or girl, after a while, it's going to become stale. And goes back to the attention span of 
of, of, of all humans. We want something better, bigger, better, faster, stronger. And, we're, and if we have the ability to look for it instead of just sticking on one particular thing, you know, that one particular thing is going to die off. Now, that's just my own personal opinion, uh, and uh, I can be wrong. And so speaking of, phobia, speaking of phobias, here, you know, here's one. It's a gymnophobia. It's a people suffering from this phobia are scared of nudity. See, that kind of ties everything together. I wonder how they take showers. Oh, they probably take showers in the bathing suit, but how do you change from a bathing suit to your extra clothes? Do you just never take off the bathing suit? But what if you have to use the bathroom? You have to take off that part. So, like, is the fear and nudity of other people or yourself? And, like, do you just have to blindfold yourself when you're taking your clothes off? Um, like, oh, man, I just, I would, this is more the whole, and I'm not making fun of it. This is just the whole point of... People that have these type of phobias, I would love to have a conversation with them respectfully and ask them, like, how, like, how do they, especially when it's a phobia, this is something that's very in everyone's day-to-day -day life. Like, how do you live with it? How do you process it? How do you experience it? I mean, like, what do you do your best to, you know, not let it go over you? It just makes me feel so it's like my idiotic self questions to myself but it's actual real questions i want to know what do you do about this and that makes perfect sense and if you flip the coin a skydiver may sit down with you and go why are you afraid of heights there's nothing wrong with it you know you jump off a plane the parachute opens what are you afraid of or you why an elevator i build elevators and fix elevators all the time in my life there's nothing to be afraid of they're safe you know they can ask you these questions and your rational Opinion would be, well, I just have a fear of falling or the fear of heights. I can't explain it. It just it is what it is. That's why some people are afraid of balloons and lizards and 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 uh, and just so many things. You really can't explain it. It's just something in your psyche. No, it's not about explaining your phobia. Uh, it's more about how do you cope with it. You know, if it if you have no other choice, like you're faced against it. You know, the whole being fear of nudity. Uh, how do you? deal with that what do you do to overcome it if you can or how do you avoid it just like how i explain my fear of claustrophobia and heights and i've come across both of these things multiple times and to where something is like nope i won't do it to you know this is what i have to choose between two evils so it's kind of explaining like situations i've been in and this is what i need to do if i can avoid it i will but if i'm faced with it this is the best way i can deal with it so it's more of those type of questions it will be interesting to have that yeah, we can have that something in the comment section where they can actually write something like that. See, and we bounce. See, this is what's so wonderful about the Out of Context podcast. We bounce from one topic to another, unknowingly what we're going to talk about. We have a particular map about what we're going to do, but it goes in a totally different direction. Now, do you have any of the phobias for us? Because I have something for you when this is all done. I guess, you know what? I think I'm pretty good. Um, the last one I was going to talk about was like the fear of sleep. But I feel like we've kind of wrapped it up pretty well. And if people want to look up, just type in Google um, unknown phobias or uncommon phobias or weird phobias, whatever. So, yeah, give me. Tell me, tell me what it is. Well, actually, before we go, now the fear of sleep, talk more about that one. Because I'm kind of curious about that one. Listen, I already closed out the window, my guy. Um, it's, <laughs> I mean, it really goes to people just being afraid to sleep and... It doesn't, it's, it's not full on articles, it's just kind of explaining, you know, people that are afraid to fall asleep. Um, whether it's because they're afraid of dreaming, uh, of not being able to wake up and stuff like that. But it doesn't really go much into more depth, it's just you're afraid of going to sleep. But, you know, I don't really think there's a way that you can prevent that without dying. So that's a whole other thing is like, how would you cope with that? Mm, good point. I love sleep. Sleep is my best friend, it's so much better than people. But, I mean, I think everybody can agree to that one. So, that is wonderful. So, for you, my dear Ashley, seeing as how it is the end of the month. And oh, yeah. we have to end the show on a bang, no pun intended, giggity. I think it's time that we relax and end the show with something nice, uplifting, positive. Something that the kids will sit back and they'll reminisce about this for many, many years to come. It's time to play Pick the Porn. Are you ready to play Pick the Porn, Ashley? Yes. Now, once again, for those, who would, for those of you who are uninitiated, Pick the Porn, we're going to give you three movie titles, three porn titles. You have to pick 
Which one is a fake one? For those of you who are keeping track at home, be sure to play Pick the Porn the home game. Mom and Dad and Grandpa will love it. It'll bring it back to the classic old days. You know, I, I, you know back in the bar listening to nice 60s music and just doing a two-step. So, round one. Intercourse with a Vampire. Beverly Hills 90269. How Stella got her tube packed. Which one is the fake porn? Um, I want to say the last one because I have no idea what that is. Well, I mean, these are all famous movie titles. I mean, for those of you guys who are movie buffs, you'll pick up on it. If not, just play along. So you think How Stella Got Her Tube Packed is a fake porn? Yes. All right, and you are incorrect. How Stella Got Her Tube Packed is a real porn people. It is really weird. Don't get discouraged. Are you ready for round two? Yes. <laughs> All right. Resident Beaver. Sperms of endearment. Wet dreams may come. Which one is the fake porn? I'm going to go with the second one. Sperms of endearment. Is that your final answer? Yes. You are incorrect. Sperms of Endearment is a real porn. Now... I'm starting to realize why I agreed to this being a once a month kind of thing. <laughs> Would you like me to tell you the fake one? Yes. All right, the fake one is Resident Beaver has to play on Resident Evil. Of course it is. <laughs> Round number three. Gangbang of New York. 2,000 legs under me. Humped back at Notre Dame. I go to the second one again. 2,000 legs under me. Mm -hmm. Is that your final answer? Yes. You are incorrect. That is a real porn. 2,000 legs, legs under me. I get it's like about the leagues thing, but like legs, all I can think is is that it's not a pretty image. It's like someone sitting on top of like a platform and going to town on themselves with the toy or their hand. And then there's just a big old um, pool of just squirming legs. And it's not a pretty picture. <laughs> yes, that, that is pretty disturbing. And we'll do a bonus round. So here we go. Points are double, folks, for those keeping track at home. Ashley's not doing too well today. So... Let's see if she can redeem herself in the final round to pick the porn. Number one, 101 Fornications. Number two, Breakfast on Tiffany. Number three, Turner and his poon. Which one is the fake porn? Pick number three. Turner and his poon. Is that your final answer? Unfortunately. You are... Correct. Turner and his poon is a fake porn. Hell yeah. Good job. Good job indeed. Now, of course, you can always find us here on podbean.com, uh, walkerac76.podbean.com. Excuse me, that's walkerac76.podbean.com. I'd like to spend a, a special thank you to the recoveryvillage.com for going over these phobias with us. And, of course, you can find us on these 22 free apps you can do to download the show just do a search for the walker ac experience get those algorithms up so if you ever need a good podcast to listen to to unplug your brain for a little bit look us up we love it like subscribe give a thumbs up give a comment everything in between and of course thank you to everyone who's listening to us from all over the world so yes i guess i'll do this again because i like to be braggadocious that's a five dollar word um, about who listens to us so before we go, would you like to listen, would you like to uh, see who uh, has reached out to us lately? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. So so far, do 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 do. As I go through all the fun things here, because right now our downloads are up. It's the new month, so we're gonna go back to the old month here. We have our lovely people in Turkey. We have the UK. We have Thailand. Thailand's checking out with us. That's pretty cool. And India, and of course. So many different states in America that had loved the Walker AC experience and the out of pod and the out of podcast take two editing people the out of context podcast. So before we go, Ashford, any 
words of wisdom for everyone out there who has tuned in to uh, like us? First, you know, let me drop my plug because, you know, didn't ask me, so thanks for that. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Majestic Nerd Lady. My profile is private, but you can send me a message um, along with a request saying that, you know, you're reaching out to me from the show and want to ask me questions or talk shit with me to Adrian about Adrian. I'm fine with that. Or just really weird topics or questions you have, and I would love to talk about it. Anything else that you find under my name, it's either not me or is a private account. Uh, as always, Instagram, Majestic Nerd Lady. And, uh, yeah, so are you ready for this, Adrian? Are you ready for the sign-off? Because I don't think you are. No, 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 I'm not. But, as my good Christian friend would say, treat it like a Rufion prom night. Just let it happen. Bring it on. Awesome. All right. Well, did you hear about the guy who got hit in the head with a can of soda? No, what? Sounds so excited. Um, he was lucky. It was a soft drink. Oh. Good night, everybody.